from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Today's guest has been building millionaires in the music industry since 1992. She has worked with Cash Money Records, Machine Gun Kelly, David Banner. She played a part in some huge deals like Eminem's deal in the Aftermath Interscope and also Master P's No Limit deal with Priority Records, just to name a few. She is the owner of a nonprofit organization called Rap Coalition, which helps artists navigate the industry more advantageously in an industry we know that is renowned for some shady deals. Money Movers, please welcome to the podcast, Wendy Day. Wendy, it's so nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I love what you're doing. I'm so excited to have you here. You know, we are both, as I have just learned, based in Atlanta, and this has obviously been a long time and very epic music hub. You've been in this business for a very long time, and you've seen a lot go down and change over the past couple of years. So I'm really excited to share your journey and inspire so many others to really be successful musicians, but also understand that this is a business. This is a business. And yes, very much so. And it's easy to forget that because it's, you know, it's glitz, it's glamour, it's fame, it's fun. Sometimes it's, it's easy to forget that it really is a business. Yeah. And you have to build the right team. So I want to go back to understanding what really drew you to like rap and urban music and helping others be as successful as they could be. 
Absolutely. I started listening to rap music in 1980. I was in college at the time and I fell in love with the energy and the passion of the music, but I didn't start working in the music industry until 1992. I had just come back from Montreal. I had lived up there for uh, four years. Shout out Canada. Shout out, <laughs> shout out Montreal, shout out Canada and, and uh, Quebecois. I, I really loved the opportunity that I had when I was in Montreal because I ran a company for a gentleman who was really just the investor. And it was like training wheels for me. I, I really learned how to run a company and how to be an entrepreneur and how to be independent. And when I came back to New York, I decided that I wanted to set up a not-for-profit organization to help rap artists because I saw that some of my favorite artists were being taken advantage of and I didn't like that. Okay, so I mean, this is just, I feel like such a prevalent theme in the music industry, artists being taken advantage of. And yes. you know, in the early days when, you know, artists are really passionate about what they're creating, they're passionate about their music, they're passionate about their craft. And so oftentimes they'll sell their souls to get into a deal that is promising them gold and platinum records on the other end of the spectrum. How were you able to, you know, really help educate these artists and really help them out of these precarious situations? Well, the first thing I did was I learned as much as I could about the industry and then just started to share that knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I was in New York at the time. So I was doing panel discussions at New York University. And then we grew out of the space that we had there. And I went to um, a giant auditorium at ASCAP. And ASCAP let me use this the space for free, which was wonderful because we could educate up to 150 people every month. Mm -hmm. So I started doing panel discussions, but I, my, my goal was always to educate the artist so that they would learn what was fair and acceptable. And of course this was before the internet. So there wasn't, there was no Google, you know, right. there, there was no place to go and, and I mean, getting information was hard. Yeah, I think a lot of these artists had to learn the hard way. And, you know, now yes. the stories are all out there of like these incredibly epic artists whose careers yes. have spanned decades and they don't own their masters. They're broke. Exactly. Or, or they're the publishing so, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. When, how did you start really getting involved, for example, like some of the bigger deals that you did with Eminem, et cetera? How were you able to go in there and really break it apart and help them um, get out of some of those deals? Well, when I started Rap Coalition in 92, it was to pull artists out of bad deals. So I, I made friends with really powerful entertainment attorneys mm -hmm. who were willing to help break contracts. So I saw a lot of really crappy deals. I saw a lot of deals that just had either things in them that were hurting artists or missing things that could be helpful. So I learned really quickly the difference between a good deal and a bad deal. Yeah. And yeah. I decided that pulling artists out of bad deals was great, but it wasn't helpful enough. Like if an artist's goal was to be successful, I felt like I would have to get them out of a bad deal and then bring them into a good deal. That was the way that that I could help them really, you know, achieve and live their dreams. So that's what I started doing just from learning what all the bad stuff was. Mm -hmm. I knew to put stuff in the contract that was against that. Right. 
And then I was also helping artists put out music independently. So I was learning very hands-on what works and what doesn't. So I was making sure that we were writing things into the contract on the marketing side that would help them. Fascinating. And so all this, and you didn't even have a legal degree. So I really no. feel like it speaks a lot to like, you know, when you want to understand a business, when you want to understand an industry sector, you go in and you learn all you can. And, yes. you know, forming the rap coalition as you did was really, you know, your effort to help so many of these artists be successful, like exactly. altruistically. Exactly. And the great thing is so many people that worked at labels just really admired and loved what I was doing. So they were feeding me information. They were telling me like who was getting jerked, who wasn't. They were sharing marketing plans with me. They were explaining, you know, how they built success for artists. And it was really, it was almost like my tribe, you know, people yeah. saw what I was doing. They saw that it was genuine. They saw that, it, and even today they see that it's altruistic. So they're very inspired to help artists and they know that I can do that. So even though they're in the belly of the beast, as it were, they're able to um, reach out and share information, which really just helps the whole community. All right. So help me understand as someone who's not deep into the music industry, because you always hear about like sort of the, the bad actors and the good actors, and you were clearly, you know, the good actor. So if you look at the whole machine of the music industry, was it the agents? Was it particular people? Um, how do people know who to trust? I, I, I think it's sporadic and random. And it, it really depends on who you ask as to whether there's more bad than good. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's a million different opinions, but it's an industry that's built on smoke and mirrors. And it's an industry where you can make a lot of money really fast. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of greed and there's a lot of power struggle in the music industry. And there's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of the shadiness is hidden behind people not knowing. So it's sort of an industry that's not transparent and there's a lot of information that's hidden. Mm -hmm. And because it's hidden, there's a lot of people that can get away with doing shady stuff because it's it's hidden. It's kind yeah. of dark. And so, you know, for new artists out there, they're starting out and they're like, okay, you know, I've made some music. I might have a track or two. I hired, you know, my friend to be my manager. What's the next step? And what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see early artists making? Um, you mentioned one right there, hiring your friend to be your manager. Oh, okay. You know, that's like that's like hiring your uncle to be your heart surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> well said. You know, um, I, I realize why artists do that because they want to be surrounded by people they trust. So I totally get why they want somebody that they know acting in a role as an advisor, but the management role is actually the most important role in an artist's career. It's the captain of the ship. It's the person that shares your vision and then helps you get from point A to, to, to point Z. And a really great manager has knowledge, experience, relationships. They can call in favors. If they need to get you on a tour, they can call in a favor and get you on a bigger, a bigger tour with a bigger artist. So you really need somebody that's mm. knowledgeable and really well connected as well as trustworthy. Right. I don't want to downplay that because that's important with anything, but 
your 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 best friend or your cousin or the guy down the street is probably not the best choice to have somebody helming your career unless they're that person that has the experience and the relationships. I think that's a huge mistake that you see a lot of even, you know, whether it's a music artist or an entrepreneur, like if you are competing in the Olympics, you need someone who's going to train you to be at the level of like world yes. class. And that's how you really should yes. frame building your business, no matter what industry you're in. Gosh, yes. And and I learned that really early on in my life. So it's just a, a, a lesson that I've been able to share with people that didn't have the same lessons that I got in right. my life. Right. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
So let's talk about what are some of your favorite contracts that you've helped be a part of or some really great success stories from either from Rap Coalition or just from your work history? Absolutely. So um, I have a for-profit organization called Power Moves and we put out music and we help artists stay independent. So of course, that's always my first choice is for an artist to keep ownership and to make money um, independently. Mm -hmm. But I'm really proud of the cash money deal. It was a really great split. They were funded up to $30 million over a three-year period, which was really great. Yes. And they were able to retain their ownership of their masters and their publishing, which is unheard of in this industry. Um, Masters and publishing are the actual ownership of the music itself. And usually when you do a deal, especially a deal where somebody is advancing funds, almost always the people putting up the money get to keep the ownership. And in the cash money situation, they had such a great track record of success they had put out 31 albums over a six-year period. So they had a really nice track record. And when the labels started bidding and a bidding war for them had ensued, which made it, you know, the, the, the price escalate. But the, the great value was that we were able to keep ownership for them. And then there were even clauses in the contract, which is why we chose Universal at the, at the end of the day. Universal had to train their staff so they would send the staff to to new york they had to pay for it Mm -hmm. not universal Mm -hmm. but universal was willing to train people in their video department and people in their radio department in the marketing department on how you know to do the jobs and how to build their company to be to become an empire um another really great example was david banner when we did his deal he had been signed to uh, Penalty Records and Tommy Boy, and the deal didn't go so well. And Banner was a little bit frustrated. So when we did the deal with Steve Rifkin's company, we got the right for David to put out music independently and retain all of the income from oh, that. Wow. In addition to what he was doing at Universal. And at that point in time, it was unheard of. That was... Um, 2003 when we did that deal and that was unheard of for a major label to let you put out music independently you could drop mixtapes but mixtapes for the most part were free and the labels kind of frowned upon them but we were able to drop music independently and he was able to put out his bigger releases on universal and still get 800 to a million dollars in advance for each album that he delivered it was kind of cool that is kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of epic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're making some really landmark deals in the industry. That's incredible. Yes. All right. So tell us a little bit more about what does the future of Rap Coalition look like? You know, the music um, industry ra- is changing. So much is different. Yes. Yeah. What What does it yes. look like, you know, 10 years um, from now? It's, it's still educating artists. Um, I just hired somebody full time in July to build out an educational platform for artists Um, that should be dropping probably in the next 60 days or so. That's kind of been a labor of love. Yeah. Um, We're still helping artists get out of deals. The deals are a little bit different today than they were when we started in 1992. They're more 360 deals. And a 360 deal is where a label 
owns all of your streams of income. They, they own a percentage of everything. So not only are they making money from the streaming royalties, you know, that they've always made through, through the history of the music business, the sales royalties, but they're also making money on the shows. If there's a TV show or a movie involved in the artist's career, they get a percentage of that. They get a percentage of the um, sponsorships and endorsements. They get a percentage of all the sync fees. So they're really eating from all of the streams of income. And I am so not a fan of that. But um, in 2005, those deals came into vogue. And at that point in time, they were really, really oppressive because they were brand new. Yeah. So I just stopped doing deals with the majors and focused solely on doing independent work with artists so that they wouldn't be taken advantage of. Yeah. And how like so now the 360 deals we fast forward now, are they still as prevalent or people are gotten a little bit hip to the game? Um, the people have gotten hip to the game. If you're a brand new artist and you have no leverage and you don't have a really solid fan base already in place and you don't have great numbers on social media, like if you're brand, brand new and you do a deal with a with a with a major label, it's going to have some 360 elements in it. Not quite as oppressive as they were back in the mid 2000s, but still they're ta- they're eating off of every stream. Right. Most artists today, though, have gotten a little more savvy. The internet has really helped. Um, artists can go direct to fan today, yeah. which they weren't able to do in the 90s and, and the 2000s. But they go if they are going to build their fan base first and they're showing the labels that they are viable and that people really are you know, um, vibing with the movement, they can get a much better deal than a brand new artist could. Wow, that's incredible. And, you know, I think this is one of the things that technology has really afforded artists. You can reach, yes. your, you can reach your favorite fans. You can grow a fan Absolutely. base yourself. And, you know, you got to do the work. It's not easy to grow a fan base. You know, you no. find a fan one by one, you know, oftentimes yes. on social media. But it will it really pays off. And I think a it lot of really that work does. pays off. And then, of course, meeting amazing people like yourself to help mentor and guide these artists on their journey. I, I love that. You know, I'm in the process of building an incubator right now. And it's it's very it's very much in the vein of Rap Coalition. It's not not for profit because there's no way to sustain it that way. Yeah. But we're bringing artists in every day and educating them and then showing them hands on how to make money with their music. And I just wish record labels saw the value in doing that. There's enough money for everybody. Everybody can eat. Yeah. And I just wish that more labels saw artists as partners instead of seeing them as, you know, like a, a, a cog that they can sell on the open market yeah. or treating them like, you know, like a, uh, like a pimp ho relationship. Yeah. It just needs to be a little bit more fair and, and a little bit more um, transparent. Okay, so Money Movers, you can't tell, but Wendy's in a really cool space right now. Can you tell us a little bit about the space that you're sitting in? Absolutely. Um, I've always been a fan of real estate. I've always made more money in real estate than I have in music. I realized really early on in my career in the music industry, because I wasn't willing to take ownership of artist publishing, Mm -hmm. that it was always going to be a little harder for me to make money. I wasn't willing to take ownership in a share of what I was helping them build. So I learned 
around 2003, I learned how to flip houses back before everybody else was. And I started doing that. From there, I grew to flipping hotels, like buying old red roof ins, fixing them up and then, you know, getting them to market standards and then selling them. And the next next logical step for me was co-working. Yeah, I've always worked out of a co-working space. I, I love the whole educating people aspect. So I built my own. It's 30,000 square feet. I do have partners yep. that help me um, fund this, but it's it's a space that holds 377 people. And once a month, we do panel discussions on how to grow your company. And it's people that are, you know, individual lawyers, they own tech companies, they're finance people, they're insurance brokers, they're from all different walks of life. And I get to help them similar to the way Mm -hmm. I'm helping rappers, you know, um, travel the music industry. It's not a labor of passion the way the music industry is. (laughs) And the music industry will always be my love. I'm going to die in the music industry, I think. But it is a way for me to make money without having to take ownership from rappers. Wow. Truly altruistic. What heart. Wendy, thank you so much for coming to the Money Moves podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. No, this is really great. And we're going to have you back for another episode where we do a deeper dive into how you've built the Rap Coalition and tell some of our artists in the audience who are listening, you know, some deeper tips and tricks to getting the success they want out of their careers. But before you leave, can you tell our audience where they can find you on social media? Make sure you tell us about your co-working space so that we can attend some of these incredible lectures or just find a place to build our businesses. Absolutely. Um, The best place to find information about me is at wendyday.com. I've got a YouTube channel that offers a ton of free information on how to build your career. That's youtube.com slash this is Wendy Day. But if you go to wendyday.com, everything you need to know about me is there. It's kind of my, my, my holding space of all information. Perfect. Well, thank you, Wendy. It's been such a thank pleasure you, love. to Thanks have you Thanks for having here. me. And we'll see you back for another deep dive. All right, Money Movers. Can't wait. That's all the time we have for today, but make sure to follow Wendy on all her social media handles. And if we helped you make your money move, please make sure to let us know by sending us a like, sharing the knowledge, and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.